Welcome to episode 232 of the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. If you want to burn fat, gain energy, and enhance your health by changing when you eat, not what you eat, with no calorie counting, then this show is for you. I'm Melanie Avalon, author of What, When, Wine, Lose Weight and Feel Great with Paleo-Style Meals, Intermittent Fasting, and Wine. And I'm here with my co-host, Jen Stevens, author of Fast, Feast, Repeat, the comprehensive guide to delay, don't deny intermittent fasting. For more on us, check out ifpodcast.com, melanieavalon.com, and jenstevens.com. Please remember, the thoughts and opinions on this podcast do not constitute medical advice or treatment. So, pour yourself a cup of black coffee, a mug of tea, or even a glass of wine, if it's that time, and get ready for the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. Hi friends, I'm about to tell you how to get three pounds of organic chicken thighs, two pounds of grass-fed, grass-finished ground beef, or one pound of premium grass-fed, grass-finished steak tips, all for free, plus $20 off. That's right, we're talking pounds of meat for free, plus $20 off. Friends, I love meat and seafood. My favorite way to get it is ButcherBox. It has been for years, and it's one of those things where I just sort of become more and more obsessed the more I use it. Especially with all the greenwashing that's going on today with meat and seafood, there's a lack of transparency, it can be hard to know what you're actually getting, and it can be expensive. ButcherBox addresses all of that. By directly partnering with farmers and fishermen, ButcherBox cuts out the middleman of the grocery store and directly delivers delicious meat and seafood straight to your door. And they have the highest standards. Their salmon, for example, is wild caught. Their beef is 100% grass fed and 100% grass finished. Their chicken is free range and organic, and it all tastes delicious. I love their chicken, love their meat, love their seafood. They have amazing scallops as well. And you can really find the collection of food that you want that works for you and your family. They have curated boxes, so you can get exactly what you want as fresh as possible because yes, meat and seafood that is immediately frozen is fresher than meat that is waiting out and never frozen. That's because it's frozen at its peak of freshness. It's funny because people kind of think it would be the opposite. Like, oh, I need never frozen meat and seafood. No, 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 no. You want frozen. You want meat and seafood that was immediately frozen and then shipped to you, which is what ButcherBox does. I eat a lot of steak at restaurants. ButcherBox's fillets are divine, way better than anything I would get at a restaurant. Their other cuts are amazing as well. With their seafood, I know I can trust them that I'm actually getting what they say because yes, there is a lot of scams in the seafood industry and their chicken also tastes amazing. It's free range and organic and tastes delicious. With ButcherBox, you don't have to worry about what's for dinner and ButcherBox has an incredible offer for our audience. You can have your choice of a weeknight meal essential for free in every order for a whole year. Just go to butcherbox.com slash ifpodcast and use ifpodcast to choose either three pounds of organic chicken thighs, two pounds of grass-fed, grass-finished ground beef, or one pound of grass-fed, grass-finished premium steak tips plus $20 off. Sign up today at butcherbox.com slash ifpodcast and use code ifpodcast to choose your free offer and get that $20 off. ButcherBox.com slash IFPodcast with code IFPodcast. And we'll put all this information in the show notes. 
One more thing before we jump in. Did you know that common ingredients found in skincare and makeup products can actually disrupt your endocrine system? These endocrine disruptors are a silent threat that can have significant impact on your health, including something that is very important to me, fertility. Your skin is your body's largest organ and what you put on it matters. Endocrine disruptors are chemicals that interfere with the natural hormonal communication in the body. It also matters during pregnancy. And that's one of the reasons I pay close attention to what I put on my skin while being pregnant. Studies have shown that exposure to endocrine disruptors can affect both male and female fertility. For women, these disruptors can lead to irregular menstrual cycles, ovulation issues, and even polycystic ovarian syndrome or PCOS. In men, they can reduce sperm quality and quantity, making it even more challenging to conceive. But it's not just about fertility. When it comes to fat loss, one of the reasons that endocrine disruptors can get in the way of fat loss is because a lot of our toxins are actually stored in our fat. It's a way that our bodies protect us from those toxins. These toxic compounds can even work synergistically, amplifying their harmful effects and making it that much harder to shed unwanted body fat. All of these reasons are why I am obsessed with a company called Beauty Counter. The founder actually started the company when she learned about the potential dangers of toxic chemicals and their link to health issues, specifically miscarriages and infertility. While pregnant, I make sure to only use Beauty Counter products. It's one of the only makeup lines that is officially recommended from the Environmental Working Group. What really sets Beauty Counter apart is their unwavering commitment to protecting us, the consumers, from the hidden dangers that lurk in conventional beauty products. Beauty Counter goes above and beyond, rigorously screening every single ingredient that goes into their products, ensuring that they are safe, clean, and free from harmful toxins. They're not just a beauty brand, they're a movement for change, advocating for stronger regulations in the beauty industry. With Beauty Counter, I know that I can trust that the skincare and makeup that I use are not only effective, but also safe for me and my family. They have skincare lines for every skin type, as well as so many other incredible products. I absolutely love their overnight resurfacing peel. It's my favorite way to get anti-aging benefits in a skincare product. The makeup is absolutely amazing. I have tried alternative beauty products in the past and none of them truly performed, but with Beauty Counter, the foundation is so amazing. It makes me feel like my skin can breathe and it looks so dewy and beautiful. You can shop with me at beautycounter.com slash Vanessa Spina. New customers can use the code CLEANFORALL20 for 20% off their first order. Beautycounter.com slash Vanessa Spina. All right, friends, now back to the show. Hi, everybody, and welcome. This is episode number 232 of the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. I'm Melanie Avalon, and I'm here with Jen Stevens. Hi, everybody. How are you today, Jen? I am fabulous. How are you? I'm good. Guess what I'm doing? right now. Recording a podcast. (laughs) Sorry, I had to. Guess what else I am doing? I don't know. You actually don't know. No, I don't know. Because sometimes you know, but you know, sometimes I ask you a question and you know. (laughs) I am doing the Zoe thing. Oh, very cool. I am on day three. That is the muffin day. Woo, it's muffin day. How are you feeling on muffin day? I've been so nervous about this muffin day for like 
three weeks. And? I haven't had the muffins yet, but the issue, (laughs) I am so comfortable with my one meal a day pattern. I want to do the muffins and my one meal a day and I should backtrack. So for listeners who are not familiar, Zoe is something that Jen and I have talked about a lot on this show. It's led by Tim Spector, who wrote, actually reading his first book right now, The Diet Myth. And what's the second one? Even though I just read it. Spoon Fed. Spoon Fed. So he wrote those books and he started Zoe, which it was originally the predict study, which Jen took place in, correct? No, I did not take place in predict one or two. By the time I did Zoe, it was technically predict three. So like, yes. So my data will be in predict three, but I did Zoe as a consumer and you had to opt in. So your data may be in the study too. Oh, actually it said I was opting in. Does that mean I'm actually part of the study? Sounds like it. If you opted in. Yeah. Because they're still very much studying. That's why they they keep changing things up because the study continues. It's ongoing. Okay. Gotcha. Is there a wait list now? Do we know? I think they got rid of the wait list now. They were having trouble fitting in people, but then they opened up. They were able to handle more people now. Okay. Gotcha. So for listeners, it's a lot of stuff. (laughs) I did the microbiome sample. Yeah, that part was a lot. That was like nothing for me. I'm <laughs> Okay, well, it was different. When I did the American Gut Project back in 2017, it was a simpler process, let me just say. So the Zoe process was a little more hands-on. I'll just put it like that. How was it for the American Gut Project? It just involved, I don't want to get too detailed, everyone, if you're squeamish, flip turtle away for a minute, but <laughs> it involved toilet paper and a Q-tip. Oh, interesting. Oh, wow. Yes. As opposed to, we um, joked about it in the moderator group. We called it the poop sling. (laughs) The people that were going through it It involved a poop sling and a scooper. Do you have a poop sling and a scooper? I have done so many poop tests, as they're called. This one does use this sling contraption. I was like, wow, this makes it so easy. Oh, thank goodness for the poop sling. I've never done one with... (laughs) With a sling before. And what's so amazing is it just, you just flush it straight into the toilet. Normally, (laughs) normally you're having to collect in like a bucket and, or like some sort of thing. And then you have to discard of that. Like normally there's a lot more to the process. This, I was like, wow. Okay. Well, I'm very grateful. It was, but see, it was still way more in depth than the one I'd done before. I was like, where's the Q-tip? What? (laughs) And it only required like a tiny, tiny sample. Sometimes they require a a lot. Some of the moderators, I, I love my my moderator family, but a couple of them, they like wrote little messages, like the, whoever the guy's name was that who was addressed to. They're like, dear such and such. Like they wrote him a note when they mailed it to him. Does it say who it's addressed to? I'm pretty sure it does. It did back then. It had the person's name that it was addressed to on the address label. So they wrote them personal notes. I thought that was that was sweet. I am very impressed with how streamlined it all is. I, I don't know how much it's changed since you did it, but it's very... They care very much about the user experience. And they also care very much about you know the, the research and the data, because that's really their whole what they're doing, is they are pioneering you know, this, this type of research. And you know, so it, it's always changing and it's always getting better. They even call you when you first get your kit. They set up a call, which I was like, that's very impressive. It was impressive. I have a link at 
jenstevens.com slash Zoe. I know you're going to have a link eventually too. But for now, if anybody wants to read more about it. Yeah, they gave me a link and code. So that's cool. So I actually interview Tim Spector next week. Oh, I love it. So that's exciting. I have so many questions though about these muffins. Like I, <laughs> I'm going to ask him so many questions. I'm just, I'm very confused about, so the muffins, we haven't said what the muffins are yet. There are breakfast, lunch, and then the next day lunch muffins. I don't know if I'm going to do the next day. They said it's optional. I might just do today, but they're made of different calorie breakdowns of carbs and fat and calories. And so you take a blood test and they analyze how you are reacting or how you're processing fat and sugar. Because if you are opting into the study, you wear CGM, which they provide as well, which is super amazing. Although the one I'm wearing right now, I've been wearing so many CGMs. I can tell when it's off and this one is, this one is off. I'm pretty sure. I'm just very curious about what conclusions they draw. And this is what I'm going to ask him on the muffins with muffins being an ultra processed food, you know, like how might the findings be different? This is really helpful because I haven't vocalize this yet. So this helps me for when I interview him next week. Like how might the findings be different if it was the exact same calories, exact same macros, but whole foods? I guess this would be like worst case scenario. Like the muffins are like the worst case scenario food you could eat. And so if you, you know, it's going to show you your worst case processing scenario. And then obviously it's going to be better with real foods, but it still will show, you know, the fat, Still, you know, fat is fat, sugar is sugar at a basic level. But they want to see what happens when they dump it straight into your bloodstream. What do you do with it? So it's probably better that it's ultra-processed, you know, garbage food than a mixed meal, which is going to have so many other variables. This is the quickest way to get a whole big load into your system, right? Yeah. What I'm also curious about, like you do the breakfast muffin, which I think, so one of them is supposed to represent the standard American meal, which I think is the breakfast. And then the lunch one represents a lower everything meal, lower fat, lower calorie. And then you take the prick after, which by the way, did you say it was difficult for you to do the finger prick? Yeah. I didn't like the finger prick. You had, I had to squeeze and I'm usually a pretty good bleeder, but I had to squeeze, 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 squeeze so much blood out of my finger that it hurt. It like bruised it. I'm nervous. I was reading the, <laughs> oh, have you not done it yet? Yeah. And what's funny is it takes six hours from start to finish doing the the breakfast and the lunch muffins. So I'm, because normally I don't start eating until way later. So I'm going to start, I keep thinking about it, but I'm going to start, I think at 7 p.m., which means I will be doing the finger prick at 1 (laughs) a.m. Oh, you're going to be the most interesting case. I know. I'm going to have to take off my blue light blocking glasses because I can't see the color red when I wear them, so I won't be able to see the blood. It will be okay. Take off your blue light glasses. It's just for one day. The things I do. I scheduled a colonic tomorrow just in case it messes up my digestion. Like, I'm taking this very seriously. wonder how that would impact things. Well, it shouldn't impact anything because it's going to be after the fact. But I mean, like in general. Well, it's just your large intestine that affects and all of the processing is in your small intestine. So I don't think it would affect yeah, I don't, I'm not, I don't know much about colonics. Oh, I do. <laughs> I know zero. Yeah, I just learned more about a colonic than I ever knew. 
just does not seem like something I want to do. So the small intestine is not really accessible by any means. That's why when you do a colonoscopy, you have to clear out your system from the top down. So yes, I'm excited. We'll see. We shall see. Well, I'm glad you're excited. I'm so nervous. I looked at the ingredients on those muffins. I just know they're going to taste amazing. Okay. Well, I can't wait to hear from you how they were because I was excited because I like muffins in general. I'm a muffin lover. So I'm like, this is going to be delicious. I'm gonna, they, were, they were not. They were very you know hard to get down. And and by the time I got to the last one, I was like, no more. I mean, I've never heard anyone say they love the muffin ever yet. You're going to hear it from me. Well, promise that you're going to not just say it to say it. You have to be honest. I don't lie. Okay. <laughs> like, if I don't like it, I'll tell you. Well, it's like my nieces, they were like guaranteed they would like coconut water. We were at the beach in, in June. They're like, can we try that, Aunt Jen? And like, you're not going to like it. You just like the name of it. Coconut water sounds better than it is to a child. You're not going to like it. And they're like, we promise we will. And then I gave them each just a little bit. And they're like, oh, yum. But then they didn't drink a second amount and they didn't want any more. And I'm like, you don't want any more? And they're like, I said, you don't like it? They're like, oh, no, we like it. And one of them said, we just don't like the way it smells. I'm like, okay. <laughs> they would they would rather like die than admit to me that they didn't like it after claiming they were going to like it. So That's so funny. That's really funny. Especially since so much of taste is smell. So if you don't like the way it smells, I highly doubt. Well, they didn't like anything about it. They, they didn't. I knew they weren't going to like coconut water. I mean, you know, I love coconut water. But <laughs> That's funny. The thing I'm, I'm dreading, I think, the most about the muffins, this will be the first time, Jen, in, I mean, I don't remember the last time doing intermittent fasting. I mean, the way we both do it, it's very much understood <laughs> in our eating window that we don't have to stop eating. So like, that's what I'm dreading. Like, I know I'm going to eat those two muffins and I'm going to be really hungry and I have to wait four hours. I was starving. That is exactly what happened. I was so hungry and I wanted to eat something else and I couldn't. I'm like, I feel like I relate to all of these listeners that are dreading the fasting period because I'm like, oh, <laughs> I have to like eat the two muffins. And then I made a list of things to do for four hours. <laughs> So I'm like, what can I do? I can go run an errand. I could go talk to Whole Foods guy, maybe. Oh my gosh, that's hilarious. Because he works on Fridays. Yeah. But yes, I definitely was hungry in between the muffins. And that was the hardest part. Even that, I mean, you know, they didn't taste good to me. I didn't like them. But the hard part was literally not being able to eat. The big task I'm going to do, though, for reals, and it was just a really quick fun fact. You know my hydroponic cucumbers? Yes. I was feeling like such a failure because it started dying. I didn't realize cucumber plants are, they're the type that just die. They don't, they don't come back. Their lifespan is only 70 days. So it was time for them to die. But I had a moment where I was like, oh my goodness, I'm a, what did I do? You're a bad cucumber mama. But it's their time. So I got to deconstruct all that and start a new garden. So maybe that'll take four hours. Well, that'll take a while. So that's good. I'm home from the beach and it's so quiet in Augusta after being at the beach because <laughs> it's so loud. The shore, the the waves, the the wind. Are people loud? Well, sometimes people are. Those jokers who were setting off fireworks outside my window at 4 a.m. one night, they were loud. I was not happy about that. 
I woke up, I'm like, what is that? And, you know, the teacher in me, I wanted to run outside and say, what are you doing? But I didn't because I'm like, I don't want these people to know where I live if they're the kind of people out there shooting off fireworks on the beach at 4 a.m. I wonder if anybody, I'm sure in the history of America, this has happened, like somebody shooting off a firework and then shot it into a house. Well, probably. My neighbor at the beach was telling me about a time that one of their cousins or something was there and like caught the dunes on fire with their fireworks. So <laughs> glad they didn't do that while I was asleep. I know. Anyway, it's it's nice to be home. Chad sure did miss me though. <laughs> yeah, because he's been eating like he's not as cleanish as me. Let me just put it that way. So he's been eating like fried chicken finger frozen ones that he gets out of the freezer and then microwaves. And like gross. Sounds like my dad. No, but he also has been eating daily harvest smoothies. I had like a bunch stocked up in the fridge and he's like, I ate all the smoothies. I'm like, what? He's like, yep. <laughs> That's the only nutrition I guess that he had. He was blending them up. So that at least he got some nutrients in him. Well, welcome back. Yeah, it's good to be back. Although I do already miss the beach, but <sighs> what are you going to do? Go back. Eventually, right now, the the renter that's going to be there for the whole month of September, we're recording this on a Friday, should check, or she or he, I don't know, checks in tomorrow. Oh, my neighbors are there, and I'm like, spy on this renter and let me know. <laughs> Send me a text. Let me know what's happening. Because, you know, they're going to be there for a month, so I'm very interested. And it's supposed to be one adult, so I hope that's true. One adult is likely to be pretty safe. Yeah, sounds like it. Unless it's one crazy adult who throws the parties. Well, I don't know. <laughs> Hopefully not. Well, shall we jump into everything for today? Yes. All right. So to start things off, we got some listener feedback, and this comes from Lorraine. And Lorraine says, Hi, Melanie. I am not easy to impress and not one to write fan mail, but I feel compelled to tell you, you are making an impact. I've been with you from the first IF podcast in the spring of 2017. I remember listening to you and Jen chatting about how great it would be to have a sponsor someday. Now look at you. I am so happy for you both. Isn't that funny? I remember that though. I mean, we it was a long time before we had a sponsor. It was like a year. It was like an insurance company. That was our first sponsor. That's crazy. And now there are brands at like literally every day wanting to come on the show. She says, how I found you was truly a moment of, wait, I don't know this word. Kismet. Yeah. What does that mean? It's like, it was just kind of meant to be or something like that. How is that not in my vocabulary? I don't know. Do you think it's an archaic word that's getting phased out? I mean, I, I don't know. I've just always heard it. I don't know what the origin is. Let me look it up. Kismet. Fate. Is it Yiddish? I actually was, I was Turkish. It was Arabic. Oh. Kismet. Anyway. Fate or destiny? Learn something new every day. So Lorraine says, I have been researching natural remedies for healing diverticulitis. The only info I could find was ads for potions and brews that didn't have any science behind them. One morning I thought, if I had a broken arm, would I keep using it? Of course not. So I started researching resting the gut and all kinds of fasting info came up. That led to intermittent fasting and I was hooked. It reminded me that in high school, I ate one meal a day. Interesting. She was doing that in high school. I think a lot of people naturally get into that pattern. Yeah, that's that's really interesting. Until they're like told you have to eat breakfast and then they start forcing themselves and then they, you know, feel terrible. They think they have to do it, so they do it. 
She says when she was doing it in high school, it felt familiar and right. That same week, my son suggested I listen to podcasts. He downloaded the app and said, type in something you want to learn about. One entry came up for intermittent fasting. You and Jen were there with episode number one. I heard the lost episode. We only had one episode at the time, so this was May. We now know when it was, May of 2017. That's great. This is funny, though. She's the second person to mention that episode to me today. I interviewed someone on my podcast today, and he was like, had they heard it? No. He was like, I never got episode one. I'm like, yeah, sorry. (laughs) The lost episode. Yep. Do we tell our personal stories in it? It was. It was our diet stories. But we've told our diet stories so many times since then. Y'all aren't missing anything, everybody. Yeah. So she says, for four years, you and Jen have been with me teaching, encouraging, and sharing. In fact, you answered my email on episode 64. You were both so concerned for me, so sweet, almost 10 whole minutes on my little known condition. Since then, I have all your books, listen to all your podcasts, listen to the books from the people on your podcasts, take Serapeptase, use red lights daily, have an aura ring, have tried feels. I will give them a call to see about dosing. I'm wearing a CGM. I have self-decode. I take very cool showers, which is huge for me. And most recently, I am a huge beauty counter fan. I am super fussy, and each product I have ordered has surpassed my expectations. I love all the skincare. The mascara and lipstick are the best I have ever used. Then came the shampoo and conditioner. Oh my goodness, the washing experience is luxurious. My hair feels wonderful, and my husband loves the way it smells. You have brought so much amazing information to us all. While it may not be appropriate to say, as I have had nothing to do with your development, but I am so proud of you. I see your dedication and all the work you put into everything you do, and I'm so impressed. It's strange to feel like I know you and know you have no idea who I am, but hopefully knowing you are making a difference is a small payback for all you do. Thanks for everything. Much gratitude, Lorraine. Oh, I love that, Lorraine. Well, I loved that as well. I love that she organically came up with the idea about resting the gut and then came to intermittent fasting from that. You know, like she was like, hmm, maybe this concept, a part of me is not working. I need to rest it. Yeah. I just thought that was really incredible. Me too. And I love that she loves Beauty Counter. I mean, I tell you, when Melanie, when you you first told me about Beauty Counter, I was like, yeah, 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 whatever. The only, I don't know if I told anybody, the, you forced me to try it by sending it to me. I know. I literally sent Jen. I was like, I don't want to. I like what I use. I like what I'm using. I've been using it for years. And you're like, no, really, you need to try it. I'm like, okay, I'm not going to like it, but you can send it to me. <laughs> like I was sold more on the concept, like removing the endocrine disruptors. And then it was so nice. I mean, their makeup is just amazing. So. So I finally could just switch over my makeup and it was epic makeup and, but I wasn't using the skincare and I have slowly come to the skincare because I've seen how everybody's obsessed with it. Oh, like my friend Sherry that does life lessons with me. She, I can't think of the name of it, but she has, is it miasma? Is that the name of it? The dark patches on your skin? I can't remember, but she had this, this dark patchy, whatever it's called on her skin and it has cleared it up. Oh, wow. Using what? Whatever the one that's in the pink bottles. The countertime. Yes, she's his countertime. Because she was just at the beach house and all of her stuff was lined up in there. And I was like, that is so pretty. She has the whole regimen and it was all lined up. You know, I've got my whole set of it at the beach. 
right before I left, I packed it all into the owner's closet. You know, <laughs> you got your owner closet and you lock it up. So that thing was, I mean, you couldn't have put one more thing in that owner's closet. The thing I'm obsessed with now of their product that I had been, I'd been telling people to use because I knew it was great and people were telling me it was great. Oh, by the way, for listeners, I have a whole Facebook group for this called Clean Beauty and Safe Skincare. But have you tried their overnight resurfacing peel? Yes. I'm obsessed. I use it every single night now. And your face doesn't really peel. I mean, mine didn't peel. Does yours peel? It's not like a peel peel. It sounds like you're going to peel. Because have you ever used a peel that you put on and then you peel it off? It's not that at all. I just wanted to clarify that because you may be expecting it to be different. It's supposed to do what those expensive peels do. Like those peels that you might go get, it's supposed to do that. But it's just like more like a serum. I am obsessed with it. And their new mascara. So yes, for listeners, if you'd like to get your own beauty counter, you can get it at melanieavalon.com slash beauty counter. Also, I just want to mention for Lorraine, she mentioned serapeptase. For listeners, I am moving forward. Right now, what I'm working on is creating the logo because the name is Avalon X. And I think I want to make the X like look like DNA somehow. Oh, that's fun. So I've been playing around with that. If listeners would like to get on the pre-order list, you can go to melanieavalon.com slash serapeptase. And then one last thing, Lorraine mentioned feels. I did not plan this. They're actually a sponsor on today's show. So if you would like more information about them, they make an amazing, incredible CBD, which side note, by the way, I cannot tell you how often CBD brands approach me. Oh, all the time. Yeah. All the time. I think two last week. Uh, and I'm like, I'm sorry. My feels. So listeners, check out that ad for more information about them. They have an amazing offer with us. So I'm not sure what the offer is right now, but the link will be feels.com slash ifpodcast. And if you listen to the ad, you can get whatever the offer is. Awesome. And Lorraine, thank you so much for your for your email. We're so happy for you. And it really means a lot. It's really, really wonderful to read that. And we're, we're super happy for you. So thank you. Really, it does. It makes me so happy to think of people who listen every week. And, you know, she said that she feels like she knows us. Well, she does. <laughs> We put it all out there. So if you feel like you know us, you really do, because we are not different in person than we are on the air. So, you know, it's funny. I was just thinking about that. Like we have shared so much of ourselves. We are our authentic selves on this show. So people do sort of know us. They do. They do. (laughs) If you saw me in public, I'd be talking to you exactly the same way as I do on the show. So yeah, that's that's the thing. I wouldn't, I can't be any other way than than I am. So <laughs> hard as I try, I've tried certain times. I'm like, don't do that. Stop. And I'm like, I can't help it. <laughs> Sigh. It's good and it's bad. Yes, I can attest that this is the way we are. Yeah. Well, anyway, I love doing the podcast. It's it's like such a good it's really it's just so fun. It really is. It is. But thank you, Lorraine. Like I learn a lot because people ask, you know, questions that make me think about new things. It's nice to hear what's happening from people in the intermittent fasting world. It's just nice. It really is. And I love to think of people who have listened from the beginning. I know. Episode one. So now we have a question from Tracy. And the subject is listener feedback for episode 227. Tracy says, hello, ladies. Thank you for this show. I appreciate the weekly chat. 
When I listened to Sarah's questions at the end of episode 227, I got the impression that her question about how to navigate non-window-worthy offerings could use some sample language, specifically when a simple no thank you is not respected. I'm often invited to lunch by people who don't know that I don't eat that early. Here's what I say when offered to eat something that I don't want to eat. No thank you. No thank you. I'm not hungry. No thank you. I'm not hungry. I'm really not hungry. No, thank you. I'm not hungry. I'm really not hungry. Trust me. (laughs) That's funny. I love that, Tracy. She said, I definitely try to change the subject after each dismissal, but some people just don't take no for an answer. If they continue to press, I let them know that when I eat when I'm not hungry, essentially force feeding myself, I get immediately queasy and will need to leave and the rest of my day will be ruined. Then my very clear subject change is usually accepted. The key is to not give in and to speak with courage. It takes a little practice, but it gets easier. And now I have a quick note to Melanie about her feels copy. I recommend Googling the difference between robbery or burglary. Your apartment was burgled. You were not there. If you were there and threatened, then you would have been robbed. Another word for robbed is mugged. Both require your presence. I'm happy that you weren't there, so I'm happy that you were not robbed. And I can only empathize with the violation of being burgled. Thank you again for this show. You two make my Monday morning drive something to look forward to. Best, Tracy. I love this email from Tracy. And it's so interesting. People think that the most difficult thing about starting intermittent fasting will be the hunger or you know, the actual fasting period. But for a lot of people, that actually is not that difficult. And people are often very surprised by that. I mean, it it can be hard and there can be a transition, but I think it often ends up being a lot easier than people expect compared to on the flip side. I think a lot of people don't anticipate the dealing with a social aspect of it can actually be a difficult, depending on who you're with, a difficult environment to navigate more so than people often realize. And it's just really interesting how, you know, how people can get so invested or almost intrusive about your own personal eating decisions. And so I think it's really healthy to feel confident about why you're doing what you're doing and also feel like you don't have to give into pressure from other people and to feel okay about that. And I think it's really nice to have, you know, go to actual sample sentences to give. I It's funny, in what, when, why, and I give sample sentences. Do you have them in your books, Jen? I don't think so. I'm more of like, just tell them you're doing intermittent fasting. and <laughs> Honestly, but I mean, I do talk about the topic. I can't remember how what I said about it. But I think in this day and age, we should just tell people and plant that seed. Even if they think you're crazy, you're not. And just plant the seed and maybe one day they'll want to know more and want to do it themselves. When I first wrote the book and was coming up with that section, I feel like so much has changed. It is a lot easier now to say you're doing intermittent fasting and people will understand. Every person you talk to about it has either tried it or they know someone who has. And most of them know someone who's had success with it. So it's not out there and weird like it used to be. I mean, you could always do it, but you can say that that's what you're doing. And most people will understand. Just say, I follow an intermittent fasting lifestyle and my window isn't open yet. That's all. Yeah. In the past, when it wasn't well known, it just wasn't known. And so it came off as very strange. (laughs) 
<laughs> often, depending on who you're with. Yeah, it, it did. People would be like, what? Are you? Well, okay. <laughs> they thought it, you were being way unnecessarily restrictive or doing some crazy crash diet or it, it seemed unhealthy, but now it's pretty much understood. Really, it's like that turning point was that New England Journal of Medicine article in December of 2019, and it was all over the the media that next week. I mean, it was you could not turn the TV on without a news article. Which one was that? Who did it? It was Mark Matson. Was it Verity? No, it was Dr. Mark Matson from Johns Hopkins. That article was the real turning point because it was the first mainstream message about it for health benefits. It wasn't about losing weight. That was not an article about how to lose weight. I've said this before. I don't know if I've said it on this podcast, but what really excited me after that article came out is when people were joining the Facebook group, you know, we asked, you know, why are you interested in intermittent fasting? And, you know, this the general answer had always been, I want to lose weight. That's what most people said. But all of a sudden, people were saying, I want to get healthy. And I was like, this is the biggest thing that's ever happened because people, you know, I've been saying for a long time, intermittent fasting is the health plan with a side effect of weight loss. But still, the paradigm out there was, I do intermittent fasting to lose weight. You know, that's what people would say. And not just me, I, but the, you know, the, the generic I. So when people were like, oh, I'm doing it to be healthy, I was like, now you got it. Now we've, we've reached a, a turning point because it's such a healthy way to live. You know, if you, if you do intermittent fasting and you never lose a single pound ever, you're still a success because you're, you're doing something that's healthy for your body. Yeah, actually, similarly to that, like I said, I'm making my way through the diet myth. And what I was listening to right before we started recording, he was talking about the role of exercise and weight loss. And he was saying, is it healthier to be lean and and sedentary or not? I, th- I think he says fat, like fat and fit. Yeah, fat and fit. And he was saying that it's healthier to be fat and fit. And the point of everything that I'm saying and the, the parallel to what you were saying is there's so much more in things we do like exercise or intermittent fasting that affect our metabolic factors and health and disease risk and just so many things that are independent of the weight. Exactly. And for all those years when I was trapped in diet mentality, I only wanted to do things that would decrease the size of my body. That was it. That's my goal, decrease the size of my body. And even if it was eating, you know, or drinking shakes that I got and eating this, you know, cardboard tasting diet food, it was just to make my body smaller. I mean, that stuff wasn't healthy at all. But when you start looking at your life, I want to be healthy. When I really made that mindset shift, oh, I want to be healthy and live a long time. And that's when I really started changing what I was doing. And, and doing things that were are high impact. And so I don't do intermittent fasting because it helps me maintain my weight. I do it because it's healthy. I'm glad it helps me maintain my weight. But even if it didn't, I wouldn't stop doing it. And for both of us, our journeys, you know, really did lead to that. Like with me and my biohacking podcast, it's really all about, I mean, that's what it's about really is finding the different things that support health and longevity. And like you with Cleanish, you know, you're, you know, exploring the things in our environment and our food and everything that really do affect our health from that perspective. I don't know, when we were trying to write the description for it, or it was a conversation with, you know, the editorial team about, you know, how do we want to describe it? And 
they really want to put weight loss in, the, in it, you know, as far as like, like what should people expect as far as weight loss? I'm like, no, that's not what this book is. <laughs> it is. I had a hard time convincing them this is not a weight loss book. It's a health book. And it's, it's, it's not a book that, you, you know, I'm not promising you're going to lose any weight at all. We're not getting cleanish to lose weight. And I had to be really firm. And, and finally, they, they heard me. And my editor loves the book, which makes me so happy. We had a phone conversation the other day. She really loves it. I had to fight for a lot of things. And luckily, they listen. You know, I've got a great editorial team. So that's, that's good. But I'm like, no, no weight loss promises. This is not a weight loss book. When's the release date again? It's January 4th. When will you have the galley? I have till Tuesday. They sent me the the PDF of what the galley is going to look like. So I have to give it a read and let them know if anything needs to be changed before they print the galleys. I want to book you for my show. <laughs> will you come back on my show? I would love to come back on your show. And, you know, this is all not new information for you, obviously. I went down so many different paths with it, and it really just inspired me to make changes and why it really is so important. Little changes. You don't have to change everything. It's impossible to to change everything unless you live in a bubble. And if you lived in a bubble, what's that bubble made of? Mm-hmm. Is the bubble clean? I mean, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you, you can go down so many rabbit holes, but just knowing that Little changes do add up to big changes. Super excited for you. Well, thank you. And I'm grateful because it's really great that you can share this message because you have such a large platform. And I think it's such an important message. Well, it is an important message. And I think people are ready to hear it and ready to make changes, but without getting crazy. That's the thing. So many of the books, you know, when I'm when I'm writing something, I like to look and see what's already out there about it. And so many of the books are so hardcore and and it's an impossible standard to live up to. And then you feel like a failure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. But you can't. You can't. It's it's, you know, even with intermittent fasting, you know, you you have to have flexibility in how you live your life and and know what makes the difference. So Hopefully, I'll inspire people to make some changes. Awesome. All right. Oh, and then lastly, I did not know that about the burglar versus robbery. I did. But then again, I was an elementary teacher. So, you know, things like like that. I, I spent a lot of time on word meanings and vocabulary lessons and things like that. <laughs> I adore words. So I love anytime listeners want to tell me fun facts about words, I receive them with open arms. Yeah, me too. I, I love that kind of thing too. That's probably why I became an elementary teacher because you got to do stuff like that. But yes, you were burgled. I also love the sound of that word. I don't like being burgled. It sounds like muggle. Like, oh, and then there's the word mug. Yeah. Or burger. <laughs> you were burgered. No, burgled. I don't know if this is like word sis, but it sounds, it doesn't sound like a very pretty word. Burgled. Burgled. Yeah. And mug. I don't know. The G sound. It's like, I don't know. Well, it's not a good experience. I've never been burgled or mugged. Well, that's not true. When I was 10, this is a very sad story. Have I ever told you the story? No. When I was 10, you know, I would come visit my dad down here in the Augusta area. My mother was in Virginia. So I would, you know, fly back and forth. But when I was 10, we had, a, I was here for my 10th birthday and they had a big birthday party for me at you know, the country club and all the neighborhood kids came. And I remember being there at the pool and getting all these presents. I mean, it was like... A big deal because I was 10, right? Double digits. So I got all these wonderful birthday presents. And then it was time to fly back to Virginia. And we were flying, I was flying out of Atlanta. So they took me to Atlanta 
And my dad and I, and we went to Six Flags, but my dad and I went to a Braves game, just the two of us. This was in 1979, because that was the year I turned 10. So we were at the stadium, we parked. All my luggage was in the trunk of the car. You see where I'm going with this. While we were at the Braves game, someone popped the trunk and stole all my my luggage. And we had done my back to school shopping. I mean, it was like everything. They took all my birthday presents. I was so sad. So I guess I was burgled. That's traumatic for a little kid. It was traumatic. I was so upset. Yeah, it was like everything. I remember like I had a pair of jeans in there. This was okay, 79. A pair of jeans that were like on the on the back pocket was like a skate. And it had actual like laces, like shoelaces that you tied on your back pocket. I mean, if that doesn't scream 1979, I don't know what does. But (laughs) my stepmother went out and found another pair and sent them to me. Because I was like, oh, no, my skater jeans. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I remember my mom used to tell me a story growing up that like scarred me for life about how when she was young, because like they did not have a lot of money at all. And they would have Fruit Loops and she like saved up the, you know, the little tickets on the back of the box. Like she would save up these tickets on the back of the cereal box. And she finally redeemed it to get like a stuffed animal of the toucan from Fruit Loops. And then I remember stuff like that. I didn't eat that kind of cereal. I didn't like it. Somebody stole it. Oh, I got so sad hearing that story. I do you remember green stamps? You're way too young for green stamps. What were they? It was like you would go to certain grocery stores and you would get green stamps and you would save them and put them, it depended on how much you spent. And then you would put them in these little booklets and you would have your whole booklet full of green stamps and you could redeem them for prizes. From different products? It was all sorts of things you could get depending on how many green stamps you saved. It was not just one store. So it wasn't like you went to one store and it was like their rewards program. You got them at multiple places. It was like a big program. Oh my gosh, that was fun. I remember licking those green stamps and sticking them in the little booklets, you know, and I... I got to save them, and my mom just was like, I'm not doing that. <laughs> so I was doing all that, and I would go through the little catalog and pick out what I wanted. Good times. Yeah, you never got to collect good green stamps. I don't think so. No, you would remember. S&H green stamps. Yeah, I definitely never did it. I'm just wondering if I ever saw the concept. You probably didn't. I don't know when the program ended. You were born in, oh, don't, you don't, I know you don't want to say. <laughs> it's probably over. <laughs> Oh my goodness. So now we have a question from Jennifer. The subject is gained a few and don't want to get derailed. And Jennifer says, hi, Jen and Melanie. I have listened to every one of each of your podcasts. That is a lot of shows. If so, she says they have been a gift. You have answered a question of mine before, so I don't want to take anyone else's place. But if you have time to answer this, I would be appreciative. I'm just gonna make a quick comment about that. When we get the questions, I don't check if we've answered a question before from the person. I just really go off of the question. So if you've had a question on here answered before, feel free to keep submitting because I don't really take that into account when looking through the questions. She says, I started clean fasting on January 6th, 2020 and lost 44 pounds by my first fastiversary. Oh, I've never heard of that word before. Oh, that's so funny. Fastiversary. I like that. In January 2021, during that time, I fasted between 16 and 23 hours, but I would say my average daily fast was 17 to 18 hours. I was holding steady for six months by fasting 16 to 19 hours daily, but pretty much all of a sudden, even though I didn't change anything except a bit less exercise due to a fractured toe, 
I put on four to five pounds. Since my toe has begun healing, I have resumed my exercise and upped my fasting to an average of 17 to 19 hours a day for the last four weeks, and the scale is not budging. Melanie, I'm guessing you would say I should change up what I am eating in my eating window. Ever since I started IF, I have pretty much eaten what I wanted, but not low carb or low fat. I'm scared that the four pounds I have gained will morph into more, but I'm hesitant to change what I eat too much because I get fear of missing out and then I want to eat all the things. I've listened to Glenn Livingston, so I know about Never Binge Again. I am postmenopausal and finally in the normal BMI range, but at the very highest weight for my height. I'm determined to get to the goal I set originally, which is 10 plus pounds from where I am, but I'm concerned that the number and the goal is creating a scale diet weight loss mentality. So in a nutshell, I am determined to lose those last 10 pounds, but worry that I will sabotage myself or create undue anxiety in doing so. Thoughts from you two amazing gurus? P.S. Fast longer than 19 hours. Give me panic and anxiety for some unexplained reason. Yep. It's just so funny that this question came in today because Before we recorded today, I recorded with Paul Goodyear, who will be on episode 178 of Intermittent Fasting Stories, which comes out December 16th. (laughs) So we have a while before his episode comes out, but I just recorded with him this morning. Here's something funny, Melanie. It was his one-year fast-aversary today. We actually talked about fast-aversary while we were recording the word fast-aversary. Oh, you did? Yeah. My phone now recognizes it. You know, it's it's learned it as a word now, so... (laughs) It took me a while to teach it, that word. Here's something about Paul. He talked about his weight. In February of 2020, he weighed 226 pounds. By June of 2020, he had gained three pounds. So he was up 229, up three pounds. But he went from 19.3% body fat to around 16% body fat during that period of time. So his scale went up three pounds, but he decreased his body fat. He actually, according to his data, he lost 6.87 pounds of fat, but gained like nine something pounds of lean mass. He was exercising. He was cycling. So I I say that to tell you that you say you put on four to five pounds on the scale. You know, that might be inflammation due to your fractured toe. You know, because when we're healing, our bodies retain fluid. We have an increased inflammation. That's part of the healing process. You know, things swell up. So I wouldn't really put too much stress into that unless your clothes are, are getting too tight. And I would, I would really think about, am I gaining fat? Have I gained fat? Or is just, this just part of the healing process? You've just resumed your exercise for four weeks. And again, the scale, you said the scale's not budging, but When we increase our exercise, that can cause also inflammation and water retention as we're working our muscles more. So I wouldn't stress about it at this point. You know, you're at the point, you only have 10 pounds to go to get to your goal, you said. What I would do is completely stop letting that number on the scale stress you out, and I would focus on honesty pants, measurements, and progress photos. Because I would bet you did not put on four to five pounds of fat. And I would bet that it's just, you you just need to, you know, the healing process is going to continue and use those other measures and, and trust those. Now, if your honesty pants are getting tight, 
They continue to start getting tighter. And if your progress photos show that, yeah, you're getting fluffier, you know, that sort of thing, okay. Then you need to think about, all right, I'm going to have to change something up and, you know, work on the weight. And if you find your body doesn't like for you to fast more than 19 hours because you you don't like the panic feeling that it gives you, then it's going to have to be what you're eating. You're going to have to tweak that. That's it. We have several tools we can tweak. When we're eating, we can tweak what we're eating. And if you can't tweak when you're eating because your fast is already, you know, at the, the max that it feels good for you, the only other option is tweaking what? So, and that's all I have to say about that. <laughs> it's my far, my far skunk quote for the day. So what's interesting about the, the toe, I was just thinking a little bit about this. If the weight gain was from lack of exercise due to the toe, which I doubt, if it was, it probably wouldn't even be the, the lack of concentrated acute exercise sessions. I would hypothesize, and this is literally just a hypothesis, but I would hypothesize it would be from the effect on your natural daily movement from the toe rather than not doing the exercise sessions, if that makes sense. Becoming more sedentary because you can't get around. Yeah. If you were doing acute exercise sessions before and then not doing them, the body tends to make it tends to adjust to that and compensate with changes in hunger, changes in metabolism. So probably the more implications that are having more of an effect would be from what Jen just said, being more sedentary. All of that said, what I hear the most in your email, Jennifer, is I hear a lot of fear, actually. I actually think the most, the thing to analyze and look at in yourself with all of this is is the fear surrounding changing what you're eating. I'm not even going to try to convince you to change what you eat. I'm down for everybody figuring what works for them. But if you do, you know, come to a point where, because Jen just said, you know, basically you can't really change the fast anymore because you're at the place where you are with the fast. So it really would be changing your food. And if you want to make changes in your food, because right now it sounds like you said you're basically just eating whatever you want. It seems to be an anticipatory fear of falling off the rails. So it's not even a fear about something that's actually happening. It's how you anticipate that you might react. And I'm guessing, I don't want to make assumptions, but I'm guessing you might have a history of, quote, falling off the rails or binging or something. You know, you probably have had an experience in the past where you felt not in control around food. And that probably going back to that is terrifying to you. And you are feeling that it would be a trigger to clean up your food. And that it's, so it's just not even worth it if that manifests. So what I want to tell you to make you feel a little bit better about that is that does not have to manifest. It just doesn't. There is a possibility where you make changes and that doesn't happen. It is not a inevitable response to cleaning up your food choices or trying low carb or trying low fat. And you've already read Never Binge Again. So that that, that would have been one of the things I would have suggested for the mentality surrounding that. But some things I wanted to encourage you about, and these are some just practical things you could literally try with this, is if your fear is that you're going to, you know, that you're going to feel deprived, you're not going to get to eat what you want. A few different ways you could approach that. One, you could reframe and get excited. 
And these things that you like, I don't know what these things are that you like. I don't know if it's, you know, baked goods or cake or chips or cookies. or I don't know what it is. But in the, you know, the paleo or the whole foods world, there are an unending list of recipes to basically make any sort of standard American processed concoction that you have right now. You can make a quote, whole foods or quote, healthier version of it. So you could get excited. You could get excited and see it as like a fun thing to do where you get to try to make all these things that you love. And I can say, honestly, they end up tasting pretty amazing, especially when you clean up your, if you do switch over to more whole foods and less processed foods, your taste buds really do change. And you you really do start loving food in a different form that might seem surprising if you haven't tried it, but it, it can really, really happen. So that's one option is, you know, reframing that way. Another option is it sounds like maybe you're worried about trying committing to low carb or committing to low fat and then just, you know, feeling restricted and deprived and then probably getting into this, you know, a few days or I don't know how long of falling off the wagon. If you can try to see it as not low carb for life or not low fat for life, literally just, you know, one day, which whichever approach you're trying. Maybe one day this week, you have one day where in your eating window, you eat low fat or you eat low carb. And if you can make it that one day, and then you can go back to your normal, your what you were doing the next day. I think doing that and then going through that and then realizing that you can do that and not fall off the wagon will give you so much power. You will feel so empowered to do it again. And then maybe next time you do it again, maybe you can do it more than one day. But I think knowing that you can do it is really, really nice because that will change that fear you have about falling off the wagon if you can do it one day and be successful in it. Another thing I would like to share, another little thing. So if the fear is that if you go low carb or low fat, that you will feel not satisfied and will overeat and overcompensate and gain weight, one of the nice things about existing in a low carb or a low fat paradigm is it's less likely that you will gain weight or do quote damage still eating all you want if you're staying in that macro paradigm within that eating window. So I know you you feel like you might be deprived about a, a specific food that you're craving, but as far as just like eating food, there could be a, a sense of abundance with it. It doesn't have to feel like restriction, trying low carb or low fat. It can still be abundance. It's just you know, existing within this paradigm while you're playing with that window, with that approach to those macros. So those are some things to try. I do want to echo what Jen said, because Jen did outline a, a good example of how maybe this is just, you know, inflammation or, you know, that it might not have anything to do with a scale number. And so you might not even feel the need to approach the food choices. Although that said, I'm I'm always for making a shift to more whole foods, more natural foods that are really going to support your body. So I would support that either way. Just as far as if you do feel the need to make changes within your food choices, it will be okay. I completely hear the fears you have. They're completely warranted. They're completely valid, but they don't necessarily have to be real. And you can definitely, definitely tackle them. I don't like making promises, but I can pretty much guarantee that in the future, if you have, you know, slowly come to this place where you're eating foods that are not sparking these cravings and are not 
you know, having an addictive effect on you. I feel like you'll probably feel more at ease and more comfortable with your food choices. And the, the ironic thing about it is you might feel more free now because right now you're eating whatever you want. So that feels really free, but in a way it's not that free because you're, you're scared about being, you know, controlled by your food cravings. Whereas there could be a place where maybe you are not eating these foods anymore, but you're also not feeling controlled by those cravings. So I just think there's a lot of potential. I think there's a lot of mindset work to do. I know you read Glenn Livingston's Never Binge Again. I would revisit it. I would also recommend Amy Johnson's work. The Little Book of Big Change is amazing. And I'm also bringing her on for her new book, Just a Thought. I think that's coming out in October. I'm really excited for you. So feel free to let us know what you try and how it goes. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, I think we covered everything there was to cover there. I know. (laughs) I was thinking about this question. I'm like, this is perfect because the fear that she kind of is feeling right now, in a way, it's really similar to the fear I'm feeling right now about the muffins. It's like, it's the same thing. And I really is the same thing. I'm like, oh, I'm going to have those muffins. And then what I am so scared of is that wanting and that craving. In a way, it's less scary with the muffins because... I'm very much protected in a way because like I have to not eat anything after I eat the muffins. For science. If it wasn't for that and it was just something similar to what Jen is doing where she is wanting to make this change and try something new and is worried about it sparking this craving. I mean, I feel you. It's very real. You just have to know that it's, it doesn't have to control you, even though it seems like it is. I think we we got it. We got her everywhere you could possibly be on that one. I know. I've been thinking about this question for a long time. All right. Well, this has been absolutely wonderful. So a few things for listeners before we go. If you would like to submit your own questions for the show, you can directly email questions at ifpodcast.com or you can go to ifpodcast.com and you can submit questions there. You can get all of the stuff that we like at ifpodcast.com slash stuff we like. And you can follow us on Instagram. We are ifpodcast. I am Melanie Avalon, Jenna Jen Stevens. And I think that is everything. Yep. All right. Well, anything from you, Jen, before we go? As usual, nope. That was it. Perfect. Well, this has been absolutely wonderful. And I will talk to you next week. All right. Talk to you then. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. Please remember that everything discussed on the show is not medical advice. We're not doctors. You can also check out our other podcasts, Intermittent Fasting Stories, and the Melanie Avalon Biohacking Podcast. Theme music was composed by Leland Cox. See you next week.